Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. We're broadcasting live from Los Angeles, California. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Nassim John about natural treatments for cancer and the problems with chemo and radiation, which is obviously the standard treatment for in the U.S. for cancer. And I'm intensely passionate about informing people of natural cancer treatments because my own father passed away from his treatment of esophageal cancer. Mind you, not the cancer, he died from his treatment. He lost 120 pounds in four months uh, while doing chemo and radiation. And obviously this destroyed his health and immune system. And he basically didn't have a chance after these treatments. And additionally, um, his tissues had become so weakened from the chemo and radiation that when he had surgery to finally remove the shrunken tumor, the stitches couldn't hold and he bled out and died. So after this happened, it dawned on me that I probably should try to figure out how to prevent cancer because I definitely did not want to go out like my father did. It was years of misery and pain. And I also wanted to began studying all about cancer treatment prevention to try to figure out why he died. And I was very surprised and disgusted by what I learned. And every time I hear of a friend or a loved one getting cancer, I am just sickened by the fact that the only options that are offered are chemo, radiation, and surgery. And I frankly think it's a crime that when we have so, so many options available at our disposal to fight this plague in our society. You know, people need to learn their options because they're not getting this info from their doctor, and we'll learn why during the show. But before we get started, I do have a little disclaimer. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition because that would be illegal. Live to 110 Radio is solely informational in nature, so please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment I or Dr. Nassim John suggest on the show. So let's get started with the show. You know, I'm really excited about this topic, and today we have Dr. Nassim John of Integrative Cancer Treatment Centers, and you can visit his website at canceroptions.us. Hello, Dr. John. How are you doing? I'm very good, Wendy. It's an honor to be on your show. I'm very excited to be here, and I hope we could uh, do some good with some information that we'll be uh, handing down to people listening. Yeah, I do too. And uh, so let's start with telling the listeners, what's your story? What inspired you to treat cancer using the natural methods and open your ICTC clinics? Uh, well, I wanted, uh, you know, my heart and, uh, and love is, is towards you and, and, and what you went through with your father. Uh, there's a lot of people out there, you know, there's millions of people that go through this, the, these types of developments when uh when a family member or friend, uh, you know, is, is diagnosed with cancer and then treated with these conventional methods. But um, <clears throat> in regards to my, my story, uh, I uh, started medical school and I started working for uh, for a very uh, well-known alternative therapy doctor that had been around for like 60 years. He actually uh, started the whole alternative treatment in the mecca of 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 alternative therapies for cancer in, in Mexico, in Tijuana, Mexico, which is uh, 10 minutes from the from the from the Mexico San Diego border. It, that's pretty much where all the all that started a long time ago. So they actually uh, brought brought me in, and they wanted me to do research for them, 
And I started doing research at, uh, in my first semester. I started doing a lot of research in regards to uh, stem cell uh, and how it, it would help cancer. And and just the list goes on and on about poly-MVA and ther- sonophototherapy, et cetera, et cetera. So by the time I was in my third year, I pretty much was well known. You know, I, I knew a lot of, of what was going on in the world in regards to alternative therapies. <clears throat> Excuse me. So by the end of, uh, you know, and then I, I obviously uh, did a lot of work with these doctors and saw a lot and saw a lot of the good results that they were having and how the how they were so different than the conventional doctors, you know, how they knew a lot more than what was out there. And, and also my experience with all the research that I did, you know, hours and hours and hours because... As a medical student, you really don't have that much time to get a job, like a regular job. So my job was staying up when I had the time and do a lot of research uh, throughout the world. I would contact people from uh, Kiev, Russia, and uh, Germany and all kinds of different places to, you know, to get information from them and things like that. So that's how I got started. And then by the time I was done, I knew what I wanted to do afterwards to specialize in, in integrative therapies for cancer and other diseases. Because we not only treat cancer, there's a, uh, there's other treatments for degenerative diseases, autoimmune diseases. You know, diabetes is not something that needs to be uh, given so many chemical drugs throughout the rest of the life or people losing their feet or, you know, their limbs and things like that. It can be stopped as well. Yeah, and so so you um, own the Integrative Cancer Treatment Centers, and where are your clinics located exactly? Our main clinic uh, is in Mexico. It's twenty minutes from the San Diego International Border, uh, San Diego Border, uh, San Diego Airport. I'm sorry. So mm-hmm. if you if you land in San Diego, California, in the United States, you drive twenty minutes south, and the clinic is in is in Tijuana, Mexico. It's by the beach. It's a very nice uh, area, and pretty much that's where all the very good clinics are for these types of therapies. And then we have other branch clinics uh, in in Israel, in Tel Aviv, and in, in Germany, in Bad Bergsenher. Uh, it's southern Germany, and we're planning on uh, branching out to other parts of the world as well. You know, we're working on a few places in the Middle East right now and also in South America. That's fantastic. Yeah, I just love that you're doing this work. And and I'm curious, why don't you have any clinics in the US? Well, the the problem with the US is that it's really tight and regulated in regards to using anything but chemotherapy and radiation to treat cancer. So once once you declare uh that you are going to use other therapies, Cancer, then they're going to shut you down. Uh, they're going to some my, some of my colleague friends have been locked up. There's a few friends that are in jail now because of that. And uh, so really, we're we're really restricted ab- about what we can do as as doctors in the United States uh, in regards to treating cancer. I a clinic up in the U.S. and say, yeah, well, we treat cancer here, but we don't use chemotherapy or radiation because you know it's a it's a trillion dollar business and you know the the one one treatment alone will range you from a thousand to thirty thousand dollars and it's mainly on the high end that that the first treatment is going to be so you you figure it out this is this is making a lot of people a lot of money 
And the problem with that is that, I mean, it's, it's okay for people to make money, but the problem with that is that the success rate with these treatments are like 1% to 2% success rate, which means a remission, yeah, remission of, of five years or, or longer, 1% to 2% from 100%. So, wow. uh, you know, the people are really, uh, that's one of the things that we're trying to do is educate the people throughout the world, not just in the United States, about uh, what what really is going on with, with these types of therapies uh, in, uh, in regards to chemotherapy and radiation. Uh, sometimes surgery is is uh, is good, but a lot of times, you know, it's it's not. It depends on the on the situation as well. Yeah, I mean, I, it's amazing to me that almost every day I read a different story about an alternative cancer treatment center or clinic getting shut down by the FDA. They get raided and the doctors are, lose their licenses or put in jail, and it's like a cartel protecting their investment. You know, because the FDA basically, yeah. in my opinion, they yeah. uh, their clients are the pharmaceutical industry and the companies that make medical equipment, make the mammogram, uh, cancer testing equipment, and these people want to protect their investment. And, I mean, it's in fact illegal for a doctor to prescribe anything other than chemo and radiation in the United States because of that reason. The doctors could lose their license and face malpractice suits, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I've heard of, you know, and it's very odd to me that if you're curing cancer, you would be shut down or harassed by the FDA. Um, it's just, like I said, to protect the, the pharmaceutical medical equipment manufacturers' interests because they make billions and trillions off these diagnostic tests and cancer drugs. So, Yeah, it's a vicious circle. I mean, if, if, if we were to get all the information out there to, to prevent diseases, uh, there would be a lot of people losing a lot of money because... Most of the pharmaceutical companies are not here to to cure diseases, let alone prevent diseases, but they're mainly to maintain, uh, you know, a stability of the disease. I mean, how many people do you know and the people that are listening know that you go to the doctor and they say that you have high blood pressure and then you have to take these pills the rest of your life? I mean, really, you have to take three different pills for high blood pressure for the rest of your life when two or three things that you could actually do on a daily basis could get your lower your blood pressure 10 points down and eventually you won't need to take any pills. So, it, you know, it, <clears throat> it's a vicious circle. And I have I had a few friends, uh, uh, friends of mine that, for example, I had a doctor friend from the United States, uh, got everything from the United States, you know, his uh, degrees, et cetera, et cetera. He started a, a company on the, on, on the Internet selling a product that he came up with, that was, and he sold it through the Internet uh, that was having great results for cancer. So they went to his office and shut him down. So he moved to Ecuador. And in Ecuador, mm-hmm. he, he did everything legal. The reason he moved to Ecuador was two things. One, because there was a lot of herbs, plants, and different things that he was working over there, so he was closer to that. Plus, uh, you know, it's cheaper to live there, and, 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 and it was everything that he was doing was legal. So what they and then he started selling the same products again throughout the world and through the internet, and he, they were the patients were getting really good results. So what happens? The FDA sends uh, agents to Ecuador and arrested him. I know uh, you're talking then, about it. What's his name? I've heard his story before. I 
not going to I'm, I'm advised not to get into that right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I, I read something about it on naturalnews.com. I read it. I, he had a podcast. He was interviewed by Mike Adams. It's a yeah. very sad story. Yeah, yeah. So you know things like that happen, and the 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 um, the judge of the of the town went to the airport to stop these guys and show them that he was legal. He wasn't doing anything. Then he can you know they took him anyway, and. Uh, uh, Last I heard, he was still in the in Miami in the prison. So I, I, I you know, it's just in, it's just. And then there's boys, uh, a mom that was this is like five months ago, and and these are like consistent stories that happen over and over again. Uh, a mom refused to give give uh, chemotherapy to from the doctors of of her child, so she went to Mexico, and then they accused her of of uh, kidnapping the, the the child, her own kid. And then the FBI went to get her in Mexico because oh. they said that she, she had kidnapped the, the child because she refused to give him chemotherapy. Yeah, to me, even the yeah. government thinks they have jurisdiction over your body and they can tell you what you can and can't do as treatment. It's amazing to yeah. me. So yeah. let's go over so, some basics. Uh, let, let's go over sorry? some basics. Uh, let's go over some sure. basics. Like, um, well, Can you tell the listeners what exactly is cancer and how does it develop? Mutation of a cell, basically. I mean, uh, when you have normal cells and then you have malignant cells, whenever a normal cell turns to abnormal uh, and then it, it starts reproducing itself at a rapid rate and some of them even eat up the normal cells, that's called cancer. And how is it developed? I mean, there are so many different uh, reasons why a disease is developed, and if we're talking about cancer, a study was done in the 70s by Dr. Hammer, a German doctor, and he proposed that uh, emotions had a lot to do with the manifestation of, of uh, cancer in the body. Uh, so what he mapped out is that he mapped out different uh, organs in the body, and he connected an emotion to that organ and concluded that, uh, that certain emotions will cause certain cancers in different organs. Uh, for example, the liver and angry, anger, uh, sorry, anger and the liver uh, are, are, are related because, you know, people that have some kind of anger issue that they've never resolved in their life or things like that, or they were really, like, abused verbally or emotionally when they were a child or, or a young adult, then they develop cancer of the liver that's related to that. So... Emotion has a lot to do with, with the manifestation of cancer. Uh, stress, you know, toxins, uh, different heavy metals, uh, the pH of the body, all, all are like a combination of things that, that will develop into, into community of magnet, uh, malignant cells. I say community because when we all have malignant cells going in and out of phases throughout our daily life, but a community that that's when the, the actual uh, small tumor starts to to uh, to be vis- uh, visible by by what the what you know what the conventional medicine uses now to 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 look at different uh, parts of the body in regards to whether the, there's tumors or not tumors, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a combination of things that cause these malignant cells to occur. But I, I, I from my experience, uh, emotional therapy should be included in every patient that has any kind of disease, especially cancer. So because 
these traumas, these emotional traumas that people have uh, carrying with them, will manifest eventually into uh, into tumors, into malignant cells. I mean, and, and this, I, I see examples of these on a weekly basis. I mean, so many patients, so many stories, so many people that I know. You know, their grandfather dies, or they they get a divorce, or they they get abused by their husband. All of a sudden, breast cancer, you know, liver cancer, pancreatic cancer, et cetera, et cetera. For just just like that, out of the blues. Yeah, my dad was. My dad was a very angry guy, angry and irritable. Yeah, so so one of the things that we do in our in our in our clinics and what I teach when I do lectures is that we have to deal with the with the patient not not as not not as just some kind of tumors in in some area. We have to deal with everything from head to toe type of treatment. We have to deal with the emotional uh, aspect of the patient the spiritual aspect of the patient and the physical aspect of the patient and the energetic aspect of the patient. You know, a long time ago, we haven't really delved into the energy work that that, that is needed also to treat these these types of patients, all patients really, but it's also very important to to deal with with those type of uh, treatments. So it has to be, like, you have to attack this disease like they attack the body of the patient, like without yeah. mercy. You have to really, really focus on, on on every type of modality that works to to treat the cancer. I mean, there's a lot of people out there are doing good. I, I respect them and everything, but sometimes what they're doing is not enough uh, to to deal with to deal with cancer. So yeah. Um, why do you think we're seeing such an explosion of cancer, you know, with almost 50% of citizens in the U.S. developing the disease and at younger and younger ages? Well, the technology has to do with a lot of it. I mean, we, we're, you know, most of us are sitting in front of a computer at least at least two hours a day. Uh, there's uh, less exercise being done, and the, the kids are exercising less, uh, you know they're sitting on computers. There's not enough, and then the I mean the GMO stories and the genetic engineering of foods, the pesticides, you know the the bad diets that that, that we have in in our country. I'm talking about the United States, uh, the, the the bad the bad influences in our, in our environment and everything else. I mean I, there's so many things that are causing this this cancer rise especially here in the United States. I mean, it, it, sometimes I walk outside, and I'm, I live in San Diego, California. It's supposed to be the best city to live in in the United States and the prettiest city. Sometimes I walk outside, and I smell pesticide in the air. And I don't even know. I'm not really sure if that pesticide is from the – because we don't really have fields near here, like really near where I live. But are they, are they like pesticides that I'm smelling, or is it like somebody dropping – some kind of chemical in the air. I'm not really sure what what that's about, but there's so many different things that are causing this rise in cancer. I, I think I think the major thing in regards to that is that people should be aware that it's not hard to to get in the right path into good health. I mean, you just have to, you know, try to eat a decent diet. I'm not saying for everybody to stop eating beef if they want to, you know, eat beef. Yeah, but don't exaggerate on it. Uh, you know, good. Clean your vegetables. If you're like a vegan or you know a vegetarian, please wash your vegetables because they are not very clean. 
uh, especially uh, even, if you eat them even, raw. even the organic ones can have some pesticides, especially if they're imported yeah. from other countries, sadly. That's correct. What I usually tell my patients and everybody else that you know that wants to hear about the, this, this vegetables is that if you if you put the vegetables before you eat them in in like vinegar, like for at least one or two minutes, uh, you know, and then rinse them with with alkaline water, you know, really good water, uh, then it, you'll be you'll be good. It'll, it'll it'll do wonders for your health. And also the water has to be really uh, you have to be be careful with the water because you know it's here where I live there's a lot of uh, in the water there's fluoride and all kinds of different chemicals that are really bad and you know so we're going to introduce a filter system that we just developed uh, and I just got the the the, pat, the, the sample that, that they made for me uh, I'm going to introduce it into my webpage this filter system is like. Um, really, really good. I don't want to get into it right now, but it's kind of uh, it, it's it's portable. It's it has all all the protection you need. It has everything. Well, I'll have a video on it later on, and, and we could talk about it later. But it's that's another thing that people should consider is the the water the water and the pH of the water that also has to do with uh creating uh, diseases in the body you know the, the stuff that you're drinking it's, it's so important to to get a, a water that's not acidic or has a high alkaline uh you know base a pH like uh, you know 8 or 9 it's 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 ideal ideal so we have to also take that into consideration so let me ask you a question. Do Would you ever use chemo in your treatments, or would you ever recommend it uh, to a patient? I think I use chemo on, in 15 years, I probably used chemo twice. And oh. it was low-dose chemo. It was low-dose chemo. It wasn't like the standard recipe chemo uh, treatment that they have, because if you if you... If you go to New York City and let's say that the patient has liver cancer, New York City uh, or any hospital that's, you know, John Hopkins or or, or any hospital, Houston, Texas, they're known for uh, for having great cancer hospitals. Uh, if you go there, for a patient goes there with a the liver problem, liver cancer, and then you go to the Royal Marsden in London, which is another quote-unquote great cancer hospital where they use chemotherapy radiation only, uh, and then you go to a hospital in Australia that treats cancer with chemo radiation. They're all going to have some kind of recipe of the chemo the chemo drug that they're going to use and the dosages, uh, depending on the kilograms of the patient. So it's not going to vary from one country to another to another, regardless of what name the hospital is. It could be Joe Blow's Hospital in Bellway. Beltway, Texas, or something like that, and then you could go to the Royal Margin. They're going to have the same chemotherapy uh, dosage, et cetera, et cetera, per kilograms, milligrams per kilogram. Uh, the reason I know this stuff is obviously I've been through these to these hospitals, and also because a long time ago when I was not even in medical school yet, I, I used to work at in a lab where we prepare medications for patients, and I had to go and suit up and prepare these medications, not knowing what I was preparing, but I was protected from head to toe, and you know gloves and you know the goggles and everything, and I was actually preparing chemos. I mean, I, I knew what I was preparing, but I didn't know what it was doing to the patient. Uh, you know, this yeah. was like maybe 30 years ago, so. I've used 
no dose chemo. That means like we 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 came up with the with the with a really low dosage to do a certain thing for the patient, not necessarily to get rid of the cancer. Okay, because there's a there's a few drugs that we could use uh, to treat other things besides the cancer. For example, I had a patient in the Mexico clinic that we had to use a certain certain uh, certain dose of a chemo to fix her lungs. Uh, she has she had a lung problem. And when I say we, I'm talking about the specialists that I work with because you know I have a team of doctors that I work with. I don't just work by myself because we have to integrate everything. We have to integrate the the vibe the, to make sure that the patient is good in, in, in everything in regards to like the internal medicine doctor. If the patient has lung problems, we get a pneumologist, et cetera, cardiologist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the only cases that I've ever had to use chemo, but it was very, it's rare, it's very rare. And, and I mean, if, if we talk about the, the options that people have with treating the, these diseases, there are a lot of effective things out there that are non-toxic and safe and proven. They've been proven. The reason that it's not in any medical journal is because we never could get funds to do these studies and no doctor especially if they're private doctors, going to actually, you know, try to, uh, where, is he, where, is he, where are these doctors going to give millions and millions of dollars to do these studies and then put them on some journal? They're not going to do that. So, yeah, I'm sure a lot of, there's not going to be any research done by any large pharmaceutical companies because they want to keep their money-making chemo and radiation in, in very much intact. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, uh, the FDA and you know obviously the, the, the politicians and et cetera et cetera it's it's just a, you know it's like a, like a little triangle so you know you're my back I'll scratch your back I'll pass laws to just uh, negate it, anything else but chemo radiation you know and, and you could help me in my fundraiser to become whatever X Y or Z so that's pretty much how that works. So what does chemo exactly do to a body? Well, let me just compare what chemo does to a body. I mean, it's not a really good comparison, but if you ever look at the package insert, the package insert is the information of the drug that's attached to the bottle that it comes in or the, or the vial or the bag. If you look at the package insert, let's say of a anti-contraceptive, and it said side and it said side effects. You're gonna have like a hundred side effects. Okay, that's uh, anti contraceptive. Now, if you look at a package insert of a chemo drug, and you look at the side effects, you're gonna have probably five hundred. Five hundred. Oh, wow. and, and the reason that I pick anti contraceptives is because that is one of the main drugs out there that has the most side effects. Unbelievable! If you really do your research on that, it's incredible. Um, but in regards to chemotherapy, what does it do to the body? Well, it kills pretty much every cell. So if we're talking about brain cells, it'll kill brain cells. If you're talking about the cells of the lungs, it will kill the cells of the lungs, the cells of the skin, the cells of the liver. The, every system in the body is affected with chemotherapy. So it's going to kill everything okay so you know you've seen the you've seen did you ever see patrick swayze's picture after chemo yeah 
Okay, did you see what he looked like? So everything he looked really. I always compare chemo uh, and and in the in the, the that the the concentration camp victims look. You know when they were in the concentration camps. And and by the way, the chemotherapy is is linked to that to to that era because. Uh, one of the doctors that was uh, worked for Hitler actually created this. I mean, these concentration camp victims, and I don't want to go off topic, but this is like really close to to what we're talking about. If if you notice, they were in, the, in these camps, but it, it didn't take them long to lose all the weight and become bald and become really weak and frail. Just like what chemotherapy, if given in you know in 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 cycles, does to a patient, it's the same. Yeah. So basically, basically what what happened, and I, I don't know how much information of this is out there, but I I've done my I've done my work, you know, <clears throat> and I spent a lot of time in Germany. So basically, what happened is that this doctor, in his memoirs, he wrote. We had we didn't when when he knew that they were going to uh, be be defeated. He, he wrote, "We didn't kill enough people this time, but we're gonna, you know, we created something that's gonna kill millions and millions of people in the future." So he was talking about chemotherapy. Oh, I didn't wrote, realize it had roots. <laughs> it, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. So basically, chemotherapy will kill cells in the body. It, it, it basically destroys or uh, systems. You know, obviously it destroyed organs, but it destroys systems. So, you know, some people have a lot of cough because their lungs are affected. Some people are bleeders. You know, they they have the their, their circulatory system is affected. Their immune system is affected. Their you know every, every system is pretty much affected. So, uh, like I tell my students when I'm giving lectures, is like, let's say you have your immune system is this is key. This is very important for those people out there that are listening. What happens with your immune system? If you have, let's say you have a thousand soldiers, and that that is your immune system, the thousand soldiers, to defend against any invasion, which means that anything that comes into the body or anything abnormal in the body that needs to be defended by these soldiers, these soldiers will attack it. So what happens when a patient is given chemotherapy? It destroys all these soldiers. So what happens then? Anything that's in the body that's not normal or it's, or, or it's an invader, invader to the body, there are no soldiers to fight it. Therefore, the body cannot defend itself. So basically, chemotherapy destroys the immune system. The immune system doesn't have enough enough soldiers or, or anything to fight the cancer, let alone these other diseases. And you were right when you, at the beginning of the show when you said that, that uh, you know, that most patients in, in your father didn't die of, of the cancer, but of the treatment of, of, of with, with chemotherapy and radiation. It's true. It's true. Most patients do not, uh, unfortunately, those that, that pass away, they don't pass away because of the, of the cancer cell. They pass away because of what the chemotherapy did to them, uh, you know, prior to it. Because, yeah, I mean, know, and we, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Well, once someone has chemo, does it reduce one's chances of recovery from cancer? Not really. No. It does. I mean, it depends. It depends on the situation. 
um, well, I could just give you a statistic. You know, 2% of the patients that get treated with chemotherapy survive five yeah. years or more. I mean, yeah. what else can I tell you in regards to that? Also, you know, I think seven years ago, I don't remember how exactly how many years ago, but they did a study worldwide. And it's not the Canadian study. A lot of people tell me, oh, that's the Canadian study. No, it's, it wasn't a Canadian study. It was a study done in Europe where they asked oncologists, uh, I think it was a thousand oncologists that they asked throughout the world, if, if, they, if they themselves or their family members had cancer, would they, would they give themselves or their family members chemotherapy or radiation? Do you know how many said yes? No. Zero. Wow. Zero. So, because, you know, the, the, what, what, do we, what do we learn in medical school? What do we learn in, 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 the, in our specialties? Like, for example, oncologists, what do they learn in their specialty? They learn how to dosage and chemotherapy, like, how, you know, how to give chemotherapy. Basically, what chemotherapy drug do they give for, for, for this type of cancer, for that type of cancer? You know, how do they measure the weight and this and that? And they specialize in giving chemotherapy and radiation. That's all they know. So when a patient goes and tells, and tells their oncologist, doctor, but I heard that poly-MVA does this and this and this and this, they're like, no, that's, that's quackery. That doesn't work. Why do yeah, they well, say that? They, because they, they never... Malpractice, if they recommend that or say go do that, they could, they could lose their license or be sued for malpractice if they suggest that. No, that's not... I mean, they're... What I'm trying to they don't really suggest it because they don't know about it. They have, they've never studied it. They've never done research on it. They've never spoken. And I'm not speaking, to, I'm not speaking for all oncologists, but the majority of these uh, doctors, they have no idea what alternative therapies for cancer do or are. Yeah. In regards yeah. to suggesting to the patient that they do not give any prescription to the patient. They could just say, go see this doctor. He's a specialist in alternative therapies for cancer. They're not going to get sued for doing that. They don't oh, okay. need to suggest anything. You understand? Because they, they're not... They don't really know the dosages of poly IV, and there's not too many people that give poly IV, especially in the United States. I mean, there's a few doctors that are doing research on poly IV, which is one of the one of the main antioxidants, the strongest antioxidants that that exists in the world right now. And it's, it's, it's given, you know, if you go on the internet, you'll see it as, as orally PO, right? But you won't see it as IV because there's only a few doctors, including myself, that do IV, and we learned how to do how to administer IV, you know, of, of years ago. But not too many people know this. I mean, even in, even in the alternative world, not too many people know this. Imagine in the con, uh, conventional medicine, they're not they're not even have, they're not going to have a clue. They're not going to yeah. have a clue. So, so you know that's that's uh, in poly MVA. By the way, for those of you that never heard of it, it's a it's a very good antioxidant. It's the chemotherapy of non-toxic medicine for cancer. It, kill, it kills cancer cells. It even crosses the blood-brain barrier. And I'm not getting paid by saying this from the company that makes PolyMVA, by the way. I'm not getting paid nothing. I'm just telling you the truth from what I learned in my years of research and my years of treating patients that have this disease. It crosses the blood-brain barrier. It gets to the tumors uh, that are in the brain as well as in the body. 
So another thing that we need to also uh, understand, especially those doctors that are listening right now that are doing alternative therapy, you cannot cure cancer with two, 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 two treatments, or two therapies. It's unreal. It does not work. Okay, and for those of you out there, and I'm not trying to sound uh, like in a negative tone or anything. I, I'm just trying to uh, tell you what I've researched, what I learned throughout my years, is that just because a fruit is known to cure cancer, you cannot just give that fruit to that patient because there's more to that patient than just a tumor. You also have to help that patient, he or she with their emotional problems, with their spiritual problems, with their energetic problems, okay? Because the cancer will come back, even if it's a miraculous fruit from the jungle somewhere. Please understand that. So so it's very important, and that, this is why we, you know, stress that. You know, I'll give you an example. Somebody goes to the doctor, the oncologist says, you have cancer. What is the first thing that that person is going to feel? Fear. They're going to be afraid. If they were not, if they didn't have that emotion before, overwhelming their spirit, they have it now. Okay. If, if somebody tells you you're going to die in six months if we don't do chemo, what is the first thing that you're going to your body automatically because we're in this physical body? We have to feel all these different emotions. The first thing that they're going to feel is fear. So I don't know anybody. I don't know any hospital right now. I mean, Scripps is doing some stuff here in Southern California where they have now an integrative uh, alternative therapy department, but it's like baby things. You know, they even called me one time and sent me an email about me going there to talk to somebody, but they're like doing baby stuff that we were doing like 30 years ago. So, but the fear you have to you have to deal with the patient's emotional the emotional state and. Uh, that's very important, very, very important. i give you an example. And, and can I give you an example right now really quick? I'm not sure if I'm oh, talking really? too much. Or... <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get, I get really passionate about this because it's so important and it's like my passion to help people as much as possible to understand what they're dealing with here. This is not, this is not a joke. This is a very, very aggressive disease. And it has to be really, really combated really quick. So I had an accident from Australia. I come to the clinic in Mexico, I don't know, three years ago. And and this patient was an Italian man uh, that was 75 years old. And he had had stomach cancer with metastasis to the liver. So, you know, he was already frail. He had taken chemo and all this other stuff. didn't work. And then he came over. And then I started, you know, talking to him, and obviously I always uh, ask the patient, do you want me to, can I talk to you about your life and about your emotions and state and this and that? Obviously, they have to consent before I even introduce that into, in, you know, with them. So he's like, sure, sure, sure. So we, we did a few sessions. Uh, the man was really rigid, really full of resentment from from his his uh, his uh, his family, his, the family of his wife, and he was—he had the resentment that that just—I mean, think of, think let's let's think right now. If you have a resentment in within yourself, what organ is going to be affected? How does the cancer develop physically in the stomach? First, you get an irritation, 
Then you get an ulcer. Then you start, that ulcer develops into something more and more and more. And then the malignancy happens. The malignant cells happen. It, you could develop also polyps, but that's more uh, seen in colon cancer where the polyp is the precursor to the cancer cell itself. So this this resentment just, let's just say, you know, let's say it in non-scientific ways, it just ate up his stomach, basically. Mm -hmm. So I got to the bottom of it, and I realized this man has resentment towards his, his wife's family because his wife's family, uh, they did something to him when they were young, when they had been married for, early, you know, a few, the first few years, and he had never forgotten that his wife, you know, helped him with that or, or wasn't got his back on, on it or anything like that. So this he he never let that go so when when i was when he was at the clinic i we did a lot of you know a lot of therapy with him and things like that and gave him the, the protocol his, on a friday his lab work was improving tremendously we took labs on, on friday and he had not he he didn't have any contact with his wife those two weeks that he was there he was there with his son and then Saturday came, and obviously, uh, you know, things there was things that happened Saturday, and then Monday because they when I showed up on Monday it was a weekend. Usually, I have other doctors there. Monday came and we took labs again because he got sick. And were and then I looked at the labs and I showed the physician, the internist. I said, "Look at him. This is like night and day. This, his everything got worse." in two days what happened why well i have i was trying to figure out what went wrong what, what's going on and i found out through his son that he his son was talking to his mom and then gave the patient the phone on a saturday night so he could talk to his wife and that just that emotional connection there just instigated that the, the physical aspect of it you understand what i'm saying to you how strong and yeah. emotional state can uh, do physical damage to a person so you know it, it's it's like i've seen this so many times so it's very important that this gets addressed very very important and there's a lot of good people out there doing some of this stuff i mean they're not doctors and they're not really treating cancer patients they're treating just normal people that have emotional problems and i really respect them and applaud them for for doing that stuff but um, it's it, you know we need more we need more people to do it we really need more people to do it and, and I think that's one of the preventive methods of this you know you have to deal with you know emotional emotional things yeah and stress reduction yeah Absolutely. for sure and so I want to talk a little bit about radiation um, what what does radiation do to you and why is may perhaps should that be avoided as a cancer treatment. You know, we have a we have something similar to the treatment of radiation, the therapy of radiation called hyperthermia. Okay? But there's a difference. Okay, so radiation what it does, it, it goes to the spot to the to the wherever the tumor is and pretty much burns the tumor or burns the area or burns a certain part of the tumor so the tumor doesn't grow anymore. I mean there's different ways to do radiation. Uh, and by the way, I'm not an expert on it, but I know about it. So basically, let's just think of it as it burns the tumor. It, 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 it gets rid of it by burn, like a burn, okay? 
So the the problem with that is that my father had prostate cancer way you know way back like twenty years ago. I, w- I wasn't even like in medical school school yet. I think it was twenty five years ago maybe or thirty. I don't know. And so they decided to do radiation on him. They did radiation on his prostate. He had to wear a diaper the rest of his life because of the radiation. I mean, when we're talking about these types of treatments, we also have to worry about the quality of life of the patient, right? I mean, even if he didn't take radiation at the time, he was not going to die. There were other things available, but they decided to give him radiation because you know, maybe they needed to fill a, a quota for the month or something at the at the hospital that he went to or something or something like that, right? I, I don't know the details, but I could imagine, you know, I've seen so much of this. So anyway, that's what radiation does. But then, like, when, when the radiation, it also affects whatever is around it. So, for example, in prostate, in prostate cancer patients, you know, they, they're going to have... Uh, Problems with the with the urination or something might be the the ducts might be torn or something like that the urethra the uterus etc cetera, etc cetera. so basically that's what radiation does it gets it it burns it burns the malignant cells to a point because there's a lot of times you cannot do radiation on on a lot of tumors in the brain okay and and then in other specific cases. I mean, you can, but it's very, very, uh, you know, very, very risky, risky uh, at that. Uh, and then if, if I talk to you about hyperthermia, basically what, what the hyperthermia does, it it heats up the cancer cell. So because cancer cells at, certain, at a certain temperature for a certain time, they die, just like uh, if they're exposed to, to ozone or oxygen, okay? So if they're exposed to oxygen, which is what, what, what one of the therapies that we use at our clinic does. It, it exposes, it exposes the, the cancer cells to, to oxygen, and then the cancer cell dies because cancer cells cannot live in an oxygen environment. They are not aerobic. They're anaerobics. They used to be aerobics, but then they turned into malignant cells, and they became anaerobics. That's the, the cycle of a, of a cancer cell, okay? So they used to be normal cells, and then they mutate, and the normal cells need oxygen. You know, you heard of hemoglobin, et cetera, et cetera, right? They need oxygen, but the cancer mutates the cells of, of uh, when they turn into cancer cells, they mutate and they become anaerobic, anaerobic cells, which means that they, they, do not, they live in a non-oxygen environment. So you expose these cells to oxygen, and that's it for them. So basically, same thing with hypothermia. You expose these cells to high temperatures for a certain amount of time, and they die because their, uh, you know, mortality is, is at a certain number. So what what is the difference? The difference is that you don't burn. You you go to you you don't burn the the normal cells. You specifically go to to the cancer tumor cells and you burn those or you you heat them up basically. But the patient does not feel the heat uh, because you're you're working also with a. Uh, with frequencies, et cetera, et cetera. So you have two types of hyperthermia. You have, well, actually three types. You have the local hyperthermia, which is called indiva hyperthermia, and then you have the full body hyperthermia, and then you have the head hyperthermia for, for two, uh, cancer uh, in, the, in the brain, okay? Mm-hmm. And these machines have, are programmed for, for each type of location in the body, uh, okay? So the Germany clinic that, that, we, that we branch out of, 
they have the, the 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 highest number of hypothermic machines in Europe and in the basically in the world because you know there are no hypothermic machines in the United States. I mean they are, but they're hidden. I mean there you know there's a few people that have them, but you know they're not. They're only a few, like one or two machines. Over there in that clinic that I was that I, I have I branch out with, they have <clears throat> I don't know I think ten full body hypothermias. They have like five. Um, head hypothermias, and then they have the local hypothermia. You know, like there's like three rooms just for the hypothermia machines. So that's the difference between hypothermia and radiation. Is, that, is hypothermia that. similar to an infrared sauna? No, it's not. Infrared is sauna the, deals with no, no. If I, uh, the infrared sauna deals with with infrared light, and the hypothermia deals with heat at a specific frequency. But the infrared sauna is something good that to to use, not just for cancer patients, but for really anybody, because we need to detoxify our bodies. I mean, that's one of the main problems that causes this, is that we don't take we take care of our you know we see I see all these people at the gym, you know I see all these people uh, drinking these juices, but sometimes. We have to do more. We have to go in deeper into our bodies, you know, not only uh, do detoxification. I mean, there's a lot of detoxification programs out there, uh, IV, uh, but IV detoxification is the best. It's to, it's a preventive thing. You know, I don't know if you heard of Hollywood right now. I live close to L.A. and I have a lot of friends over there in Hollywood, but what they're doing now, and, and it's, it's, like a, it's like a detox. They're doing a detox that goes straight to the blood. So what these... They're partying all night, you know, drinking a lot of alcohol, and then they go to, you know, one in of these Hollywood? Doctors. I'm sorry. In Hollywood, they're doing that. I'm 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 gonna tell you what they're doing, but what I'm saying is that a lot of this detox that I'm speaking about is what they're doing now in Hollywood. What they're doing is that they're drinking all night. A lot of you know these people that like that kind of life, and then in the morning they go see a doctor, and what the doctor's doing. These doctors got really smart, you know, because you know now they have now they have another way of helping people and making money. What what they what they're doing is that they're they're preparing uh, detox detox IV bags, intravenous bags, and they're giving it to uh, to these people that are coming in all dehydrated from the alcohol because a lot of these people have to work the next day. But you know you you could only drink a certain amount of Pedialyte before you don't want anymore. You get full. You know what I'm saying, like uh, Gatorade yeah. or Pizzolite, et cetera, et cetera. So, so the doctors are applying these IV bags, you know, 250 milliliters with a couple of Vitamix, et cetera, et cetera. They're not as intense as the detox IV bags that we use for for pre, for anti-aging or preventing diseases or for cancer patients. But they are, you know, so they go there, they get their IV fluids in, their vitamins and their electrolytes through the vein the fastest way to get to the blood and the uh, effect is immediate you know then they're going to feel fine they're going to uh, all the all the toxins that are going to come out not all of them but a lot of the stuff that they put into their blood and at nighttime comes out and they're good to go to work or whatever they need to do go act or whatever make a movie or something so mm -hmm. in regards <laughs> in regards to the detoxification which is part of our anti-aging prevention program it's very important that we keep that in mind because at the age of 30, our liver is already had 30 grams, you know, grams. Imagine 30 grams of toxins in our body. Even if we didn't 
drink alcohol, even if we lived a normal life, you know, we didn't abuse our body, we already have 30 grams of toxins stuck in the liver. And I don't want to get into the medical process of the whole thing, but just so everybody could understand, there's 30 grams already of toxins in our liver. It's like a, it's like a filter, a car filter that doesn't get changed. It gets clogged. You understand? It gets clogged. So the car is not going to function. Same thing with us. I'm not saying that the filter and the car and the liver are synonymous. They're not. But it's it's a similar example. So what, yeah, what happens with that's a why, what, Sorry? I know. That's why I use a infrared lamp sauna every day and every other day because you, you, everyone has to detox these chemicals. They're going to have cancer or another kind of disease. It's inevitable. Uh, you, you have to detoxify all these chemicals and heavy metals and on the, the infrared sauna is a great way to do that. It's great preventative. Yes. And that, from what I've heard, while you have cancer as well. Yes, definitely one of the things that, I mean, usually when patients go to our centers, they're pretty busy all day long. I mean, we take care of them really good, and they have to do a lot of therapies, not just the IV program, but they have to do, you know, they get lymphatic massages, they get, they get emotional therapy, they get energetic therapy, you know, DNA activation if they want, but, and just a lot of stuff, you know. So they're pretty busy. Their 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 day is, uh, depending on their condition, their day is usually from 6 a.m. if they're doing the Gerson diet all the way to 9 p.m. Because the Gerson diet, you have to do, you know, five or six uh, coffee enemas throughout the day and specific things like that. So it's pretty busy. It's intense. But, you know, the the effects and the results are are something that they talk about later on. So, yeah, so yeah it's, it's important. But, so you used, uh, you used, uh, employ the Gerson method at your clinics? Yeah. We, yeah, we incorporate a lot of different things. Uh, depending on the patient, we make specific protocols for each patient. We don't usually do Gerson on everybody, but we use a lot of, uh, I, you know, Ms. Gerson, I, I've known her for a long time, but we use a lot of, of her methods too, um, and it's it, when we do a conjunct therapy protocol like this, the results are really a lot better. So yes, I do use Gerson, I do use vegan diet, raw diet, you know, this different things like that that people are, are are so passionate about right now, and I'm very happy for them, and I'm glad, and I hope many more people learn about the the you know the raw and the vegan and all this other stuff that these wonderful people are doing out there to spread the word and to let, uh, you know, humanity uh, grow and, and shift into a different, into a different, uh, into a different frequency. So do you think that another... everyone, do you think that everyone that has cancer should be doing a raw vegan diet? No. 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 no what kind of cancers no. don't, don't, you know, jive well with a raw vegan diet? Well, I've heard you leukemia, have to, leukemia and blood cancers don't work well with the raw vegan diet. It's not just the cancer itself, the individual itself. You know, you have to also take into consideration the weight of the patient, the energy of the patient, you know, their condition of the patient. A lot of times, for example, if a patient cannot tolerate food because they have an obstruction, then you can just forget about any diet. You have to go intravenously. So... Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, but it all it all depends on the patient. In regards to cancers that are you know like common cancers, you know, it's 
colon cancer, for example, you cannot give a lot of the patient cannot eat basically that much, and and, you, and it's probably Gerson. That would probably be a Gerson thing, and depending on their condition. And um, but a lot of patients that have you're right, like the the blood blood diseases, then that'll be good for them. And also like uh, patients that have uh, stage two lung cancer or things like that, vegan and raw, it's fine. But we we do you know we do special things to 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 that kind of diet as well. So okay, so well, it's very let's, get the, let's get into some of the natural methods that you use to cure cancer. Um, you know, and if you want to find out more audience uh, about more information about the natural cancer treatments that we're about to discuss on today's show, uh, you can visit Dr. Nassim John's website at canceroptions.us. Now, can you explain to listeners what type of natural methods show promise in curing cancer that you employ at your clinics, namely like the sonophotodynamic therapy? Okay, so you want to talk about the therapies. Okay, so... <clears throat> Sonophotodynamic therapy is is our our like our main therapy, and I say main therapy because it is it attacks cancers that are discovered and cancers that are not seen yet by the machines and et cetera, et cetera. And Sonophoto uh, has been around since the seventies. Actually, phototherapy has. In the 70s, in the 70s, they they were using because let me just explain so people could understand. Basically, what sonophototherapy or SPDT therapy is is this: you get an agent. The agent is derived from chlorophyll. It's a substance from chlorophyll. And what this agent does, and by the way, this was discovered by a Russian scientist that passed away about 15 years ago. Okay, um, this agent, you introduce the agent sublingually under the tongue to the patient, and it's it's in capsule form, and basically you introduce a capsule one at a time under the tongue, under special conditions, and the body will absorb the agent, and it goes, it, the agent goes into the body, okay? So you give certain amount of capsules to the patient depending on their weight. So what happens with this agent as it goes into the bloodstream, it attaches to malignant cells, okay? Once this happens, this takes about between 24 and 70, 72 hours, and depending on the weight of the patient. So what happens with, with that is that after 72 hours or 48 hours, depending, we expose the patient to light. That's why it's called phototherapy, so light. What kind of light? It's a UV full-spectrum light. It's non-toxic light. The agent is non-toxic either because it comes from a chlorophyll and there's nothing added to it, like vaccines, you know, how they add all this stuff to vaccines. There's nothing added to this capsule except the substance that will attach itself to the malignant cells. Once we expose the patient to this light for a certain amount of time, which the light does not harm any any cell in the body and it doesn't cause any side effects. The only side effect will be that the cells will die once the patient, the cancer cells will die once the patient is exposed to the light. Uh, once the patient is exposed to the light, this agent that's attached to the malignant cells opens up and releases light. Now, it'll create an oxygen environment around the malignant cells, and then the malignant cell will die because cancer cells cannot survive an oxygen environment. This happens uh, with phototherapy. Now, there's tumors that are too deep into the tissue for the light to penetrate, so we use sonotherapy. 
Now we use an ultrasound machine that ha that has frequencies. It's a special machine. It's not just any ultrasound machine, and we adjust the frequencies and we apply it so the patient feels like they're getting a massage with some little machine, right? And we apply it to certain spots where we believe are uh, uh, deep deep tissue tumor tumors cells. So basically, it has the same effect. The 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 agent opens up, oxygen is released into the malignant cell itself because it's attached to it. Now, the only thing with the sonar phototherapy is called PDT, by the way. And this, and by the way, a lot of people ask me about what are they doing in China? Aren't they doing this in China? The, in China, they're only doing phototherapy. I know because I flew there in November twice and I did a, a, a conferences over there. They're only doing phototherapy. They don't know anything about sonotherapy. Well, they do now because I talked about it over there. But throughout the world, they're doing a lot of phototherapy. And I don't know if all of them are using the correct agent or not. Uh, there's only a couple of doctors that know this, this therapy really good uh, in regards to sono and photo. And if you just use photo, the problem is that deep tissue tumors are not going to be affected by the light. So those are not going to be, uh, you know, reduced in size or shrunk. Uh, and also with sonophototherapy, it doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier, so we cannot use sonophoto for the brain. That's why we use other other things like poly-MVA to, to deal with the with the brain brain tumors. Now that okay. this this sonophototherapy uh, treatment, it's it's natural, non non toxic, it's safe, it's effective, uh, and basically the program is uh, when a patient has cancer and they call me in or they call one of my staff members, the the recommendation is that they go to the clinic and they stay two weeks at least, depending on their condition, get their sonophototherapy plus everything else in their protocol, and then we send them home with eight weeks of sonophototherapy that they can do at home. We send them with everything, the, the machine, the lights, the capsules, and the instructions. And by the time they leave the clinic, they know how to do it themselves or their family member. It's very easy to do. Uh, so basically, that's one of, the, one of the main therapies. And it has, you know, it's been around since the 70s, but it actually started uh, because it, it was really toxic in the, in the 70s because they were using, they were injecting an agent that was toxic to the liver. But like uh, I think 15, 15 to twenty years ago, the, this this uh, Russian scientist came up with a better agent, and that's what we're using now. We've been using it for a long time, so that's one of the non-toxic therapies to use. Now, if you include some phototherapy with uh, poly MVA IV, which is what we talked about earlier, and, and this this is an antioxidant, you can look it up on the internet if you wish, or email me or something. Um, then the the percentage of, of effectiveness is even better. But I have to uh, reiterate that we have to do detoxification IV and chelation IV along with a lot of other things and then attack the cancer itself. Because if if you attack the cancer and you kill these cells or you shrink the tumors, you you have to... A lot of doctors don't think about this, but maybe they will if they're hearing this now, is that the dead cells are circulating in the blood, right? They're circulating in the blood. And I was telling this to uh, this patient that called me from Harvard the other day, and I was telling her, well, you know, you have to make sure that once the, dead, the cancer cells are dead, and she agreed because she's, a, she's, a, you know, she's known all this for like a long time ago. They circulate around the blood dead, but they carry they carry stem cancer cells. Do you understand mm -hmm. what that means? 
It means yeah. that they're going to grow again. You know, a lot of times, even in chemotherapy patients, they you know they kill everything, but they're they're circulating. What do they use to get rid of the dead cells? They don't. So a lot of times, they're they're saying, "Oh, the cancer came back." Really, the cancer never left because they're not yeah, getting. Yeah, that's the last getting, question I was going to ask you: is that a lot of people that do chemo, they don't realize that they're probably going to get it again because one of one of those yeah. reasons. Yeah, and and this is this is something I'm not making this up. I, I'm not making anything up that I'm telling you. But this is like science, scientists know this that each dead cell carries a stem cancer cell uh, within them. So basically, they circle. They're dead, but they have stem cells that are circulating around the blood, and then these stem cells create more cells that are malignant. Okay, so what what we do with these with this therapy in regards to to uh, what you were asking about the therapies and naturally we have naturally we give patients IVs that will actually extract this, these dead cells from the body, like you know through the urine or to the through the stool, and they give you know this is the way to get rid of them. So and they have less side effects because of that because the more dead cancer cells that are circulating in the blood, the more the sicker the patient is going to feel, even though the tumor is shrinking. So that's that's just you know that's that's our, one of the, the, our main therapies, sonophototherapy, um, and then we have Leutril. Uh, uh, Leutril is called amygdalin, amygdalina. Uh, it's been around. It's apricot seed. It comes from the apricot seed. I don't know if you heard of it, but this 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 therapy has been around for 50 years. <clears throat> I, I I was fortunate to to talk to the one of the doctors that brought it in. You know into into the integrative treatments a long time ago he's passed away already uh and basically what Leotril does it's, it's a injection it can be given orally as well but the injection is the one we use in the clinic and basically what it does is stop the metastasis of the of the cancer so it, it, it has like a 72-hour turnaround period that means if, the, if there's a metastasis going on in, in the body and the patient comes you know gets treated with this Usually, it, around 72 hours, the, the the metastasis or the traveling of the cancer from one one place to another in the body will stop. I mean, these numbers can change with every patient. I'm not saying that I go ahead and write this down and this is lo- like the only case or the only law, but th- this is what we've experienced in the time that I've been doing this. You know, over 15 years. So yeah. it's, it's it's also called vitamin B17. I don't know why it's called vitamin B17. Maybe it's a marketing thing because a lot of countries don't. It's it's a, it's definitely not legal in the United States. And then there's it's, it's in other countries like in Israel it's not legal. Uh, in in Germany it's legal, but you have to go through a bunch of loops and stuff. Uh, and it's called vitamin B17. It's not a vitamin really, but if you want to look it up later, you can. Uh, Leotril is another. It's natural. It doesn't cause any side effects. It doesn't harm the body. You know, it doesn't. It's not a toxin uh, because of the way that it's synthesized in the body. It, it's not poison or anything like that. So that's another. Uh, and, and usually, with with, the, with all these therapies, we always talk to the patient and tell them about what the therapies are and if they agree. You know, we don't just say, "Okay, you're here. We're gonna just shoot you up with stuff." We discuss all these details with the patient. The patient is like our friend. You know, they get they get there like our friend, but usually they leave like our family member. You know, because 
we we you know we have we it's bonding is so important to these patients. You know, that's one of the things that they need at most is it's family, it's bonding, it's love, it's compassion, it's understanding of their pain because it's a painful disease. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very painful. And the emotion aspect of it is, like I told you before, you know, and I'm going to say it forever and ever, it's so important. So um, <clears throat> and then hyperthermia is another one we discussed earlier. It's, it's, it's natural, it's non-toxic. The lymphatic massages, the massages, uh, the detox, iron foot detox uh, machines that that we use also helps. You know, we include all that. Uh, the energy work that we do as well is it's very important. Uh, you know, it's 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 one of the things that I'm really excited about uh, talking uh, talking to different different countries about and different people and everybody who wants to hear how important the energy that surrounds our body has an effect on, on, on our physical because it, it, it will eventually, if it's, if it's not done, treated correctly or if it's not in, in, in a good, positive uh, way, it will affect our physical body. So um, that's another thing that we, we incorporate. And if you go to our webpage, there's a list of, they're called, uh, uh, I don't know what they're calling them now, but I think they're called complementary therapies or something on the webpage where we discuss, you know, ensophic ray healing, jicket and reiki, fascination, mesmerism, clinical hypnotherapy, emotional therapy, DNA activation, and life activation, things like that. And there's other ones that are going to be also incorporated on there later on as well. So, you know, these are, these are some of the things. What else do we use naturally? Oh, well... We use a vaccine. There's two types of vaccines that we use. One is called VCAN1, one is called VCAN2. VCAN1 is a, a vaccine that we derive from the patient's own fluids, okay? And we vaccine against the antigens that the cancer cell is extracting or producing and, and leaving it in the bloodstream. Do you understand? Because cancer cells... Uh, release protein into the blood and this protein is made up of antigens and antigens are actually what attack the immune system or the what the immune system attacks to get rid of the disease or the virus or whatever it is or the bacteria whatever it is or malignant cells so basically we extract the antigen in lab from the fluid of the patient and we create antibodies and then we inject the that when once it's processed you know, with all aseptic techniques and everything, uh, filtered and et cetera, et cetera, uh, we inject it back into the patient and we create like a, a stimulation for the immune system. So the immune system of the patient, which has been destroyed usually by chemotherapy, uh, starts act, being activated again and, and creating antibodies uh, for the antigens of the tumor cells. That's called uh, VCAN1. And then we have the dendritic cell vaccine, by the way, VCAN1, that vaccine, it's it's only, um, it, it's like a passive immunity, so it, it will not work, like, straight away. It will not work, like, the next day. It, it'll take, like, three weeks or a month to start, like, actually manifesting itself in the body in full force. Then we have VCAN2, which is a dendritic cell vaccine. This one will work right away. Within 12 hours, the immune system is just going to start producing T-killer cells, which are the cells that actually attack invaders, regardless of whether it's malignant cells or viruses or whatever. Um, and then, that you know, that's called the dendritic cell vaccine. There's more to information than that, but that's basically a generalization of it. 
So how, th- those are all natural because the dendritic cell vaccine we also get from the patient's blood. So and we don't add any chemicals or anything that anything that do- doesn't belong to the patient. You understand? So it's very natural. It's done for patients that have uh, autoimmune diseases and like HIV and lupus and osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so wow. we, we also that's treat treat both types of patients. Yeah. Oh, that's really really interesting. It just it sounds mm-hmm. amazing. It sounds so you're so ahead of your time. Let me just tell you let me tell you one more therapy that that we it's not on our webpage because we haven't uh, like gotten the, all all the all the stuff on it, but but we've already incorporated it uh, and. It's called triax therapy. Basically, what we do with this therapy, and by the way, this therapy has also been around forever. I'm not, like, inventing anything. I'm just getting a lot of knowledge and putting it together and making it, like, really uh, work for the patient's benefit. And, you know, I'm getting knowledge from here, there, 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 there. You know, I was a researcher before I was anything else. So I I do, you know, I did and I've done and I keep doing research. But this, this strip therapy is called triax therapy. Triox, tri is three, ox is oxygen, okay? So one of the main things when people are sick or when they start aging is that their oxygen level in their blood decreases. If you look at somebody's blood that has cancer, their oxygen level, and, and, and don't even about looking at the normal conventional labs like the hemoglobin that I mean you can look at that that's fine but there's more to it than that okay so the oxygen level decreases and and, and what, what happens is that we apply ozone the gas we apply hydrogen peroxide liquid and we applied oxygen uh, gas uh, to to the blood of the patient now how do we do this and, and basically we take like 150 to 200 of blood out of the patient. Now we expose this this blood through a tube into a into a UV light, which is this this light is a special light. It's not the light that we use for the sono uh, the phototherapy. This light, what it does is it gets rid of parasites, viruses, and I'm talking about viruses like hepatitis C, HIV. You know, I'm not talking about like the you know the little miniature virus. I'm talking about hardcore viruses that supposedly there's no cure to for them or whatever. Uh, what the, so we pass the blood through this light, okay, and it gets rid of any parasitic activity, any parasite, any viruses, any bacteria, anything that's detrimental to the health of the patient. Right, it gets rid of that. So we pass it through this light, and then it, it, it falls into another container that's empty, the blood. Right then, when it's all there, the 200 milliliters, we add a certain amount of ozone, a certain amount of hydrogen peroxide, and a certain amount of oxygen, and we turn the bottle upside down and we send it back to the patient. This is called triax therapy, and there's only like two other people that maybe three, I don't know, that are really experts on this therapy, and I was fortunate and blessed to been uh, trained by one of them, uh, like in the last two years, and I've did it on myself many times already. It's just an incredible thing. I've, de- I've done it on patients a lot. A lot of people ask me about it because it's also an anti-aging uh, therapy that we use with our anti-aging packages and stuff like that. 
So it's it's so basically we send it back to the patient, and then you're adding oxygen. You're adding you're adding three levels of oxygen to the blood, and none of this stuff is toxic. You know, obviously you have to know what you're doing. You got to give them a certain amount of of the ozone. You can't like go crazy and give oh you know it's like any drug you can't it's like a drug you can't give like you know like fifty Tylenols hopefully everybody's taking Tylenols period but uh, but you cannot do that you have to get specific dosages of ozone oxygen and uh, and hydrogen peroxide liquid uh, and basically the 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 results are like better circulation the patient can breathe better. You know, the, a lot of the dead cells are manifesting in the bloodstream. Even if you don't have cancer, even if you're just like a normal individual, you still have dead cells, you know. And, and the reason why it's very important to do exercise is because once you exercise, you're getting so much oxygen in there that these cells are circulating really fast in your blood and they're going through your urinary system or your stool. You understand? So that's why... You know, I don't know how many people touch on this in regards to exercise, but this is one of the reasons why exercise is good. I mean, some people cannot exercise because of their, they have debilitating problems with their bones or muscles or whatever, but anything that you could do to oxygenate yourself, even just take oxygen, uh, put it in oxygen like Michael Jackson used to do, it's very good to do. Now, I'm not saying to go do that, but I'm, but that's just the, the concept of this therapy, the triax therapy, is to rejuvenate cells and to get rid of dead cells. That's basically it. Now, if you're re- rejuvenating cells, you're going to have a better life. You're not, your diseases are going to be less, you know, they're not going to manifest as much. And if you have a disease, it's just going to help you, your oxygen level is going to be better for you. For you. So that's, yeah, that's I, I the think concept. I'm going to have to come in and do some of that anti-aging therapy. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. I'll send you all the information. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I, I haven't discussed half of it. I'm just discussing, the, you know, the, the stuff related not only for, for mainly for cancer and a few anti-aging things, but the, we have really good anti-aging pro, uh, pro, uh, protocols for specific needs. Also, I haven't touched on the, on, the, on the hormonal things that are going, all these hormonal problems that women are having and some men also. I've seen men also. Uh, that uh, we the, the treatments that we use for for that that are natural. There's no there's no synthetic hormone. There's no biological hormone. And for those of you that use biological hormone, you have no idea which you know that these biological hormones are also very unsafe and very toxic. Okay, so yeah, so that's that's also part of it. And when we do any kind of any kind of uh, a treatment, we we pretty much do all kinds of tests, not just the standard test, but other tests on the, pa- on the patient, even if they're not cancer, whoever, to see what's going on with their hormones, with their allergies, with their, uh, you know, with their norm, their cells, their immune system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We even have a test now that I'm so excited about. I haven't displayed it yet, but it's going to be coming in, in, in a couple of weeks that it's going to diagnose the chances of that patient having cancer, like, 98% accurate. It's just wow. incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. But uh, I will po- I will post it on the web page once it's ready. Uh, I haven't yeah, posted, but I'd be very that's, interested that's gonna, to that's, that's do be that part test. Of the yeah, that's going to be part of the preventive package as well. So, so, yeah. so how long does it typically take to rid the body of cancer using natural methods? 
it varies on the patient. You know, I can't, I cannot like say specifically. You know, some people, you know, some. I had a kid. A kid came in from Ireland or Netherlands. This was a long time ago, like seven years ago, and he did sonophototherapy and at the clinic for three weeks, and then he, because they, he already he had he had leukemia, I believe it was. And they already had told the parents, he was like nine years old at the time. They already had told the parents that there's nothing else that they could do. And that he, that was it. That to go home and just be with him, you know, the whole, the usual story. And then they brought him over here and they did solo photo for a year at home. A whole year. Every day. Because you have to do it every day, twice a day. Uh, in the morning, you do the photo, and then in the evening, you do the, the sono. And the parents were very, very, you know, good with that. And that's one of the things that I, tr- I stress to the patient. You have to do certain things every day because your life is depending on it, basically, you know. So they did it. he did it for every day. He's, I think he's 16 or 17 now. After a year, he was pretty much cleared of the disease. He had other, you know, he had, I think it was leukemia. Uh, so it depends on the patient. It depends on the disease. Uh, yeah, but do we do get results from the, we do see sh- uh, tumor shrinkage uh, within a week, two weeks. Sometimes, you know, it takes longer. Uh, I can't say like the next day. And by the way, you know, it's not like this. There's not, there's not one magic bullet. Uh, and there's yeah. a lot of things that go on. Uh, with patients that that are that are dealing with cancer, there's a lot of things. You know, there, there's a lot of things that we we have to take into consideration, and sometimes we we just their their lungs collapse because of the chemo and they're destroyed. We, you know, there's really nothing we could do. Yeah. So, so are, are natural approaches appropriate for every patient? Say, if they have late stage three or stage four cancer, will natural treatments work quick enough? Yes, yes. Uh, like I told you before, protocol is very, very extend, extended. Like it, it's full. It's, it's natural treatments are what we do. We do natural treatments. That's it. And every patient, let, let me tell you, 98% of the patients that we see in all the clinics, not just in one clinic, are stage four post-chemo. Wow. You understand? It, it's it's if 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 I get a stage two, I would throw a party, then <laughs> with the patient, with the patient because I'd be so happy that they actually got to us quick. You understand? They didn't wait till yeah. the last minute. Because a lot of patients they wait till there was nothing else conventional medicine could do, so they start looking. I mean, yeah. a lot of a lot of people. But then, you know, then the universe, God, nature, the light, that there's more of you, you, Wendy, and other people that are getting the word out. So people can wake up out of this matrix that we're living in, out of this fogness that we're living in, in regards to that there's more than than just that out there. So, you know, unfortunately, more people now are being aware that there's more things out there besides the radiation and the chemo. But, um, you know, I, the, the numbers haven't changed dramatically like I would want them to in regards to getting to me or to us 
sooner than waiting till their stage four uh, post chemo, post radiation, nothing else that conventional medicine could do. And then they come to us, you know, and a lot of times it's like the road is hard, but, mm-hmm. you know, we do what we can and help as many people as we can and have success at, at, at what we do. So, um, are, know, are, there any cancer, are there any cancers that don't respond well to natural treatment? Usually, natural treatments don't cause any kind of, uh, well, first of all, they're not going to cause any negative effects on the body. But there are chances that they're so far gone that even the natural treatments that we give them um, will not do anything because their systems are shutting down. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because their systems are shutting down. They're they're like almost, they're almost passing, basically. You know, and a lot of times it's, I feel feel bad or the doctors feel bad that we tell them, you know, we really can't do anything for you. It's just too late. Don't waste your money. Don't waste your time. Don't waste, you know, don't waste your money. Don't waste your time. I mean, I I have, uh, I don't know if you saw the video of, of Lourdes. She's, uh, she's from, from L.A., I mean, she actually came to my house uh, with oxygen, and she was she's a young lady. She's a beautiful young lady, but when she came to my house, I, I, it was, she came to my house because of a friend of that a friend of mine that knew her, and she was in San Diego, and I just told him, bring her here, come here. I, I'm not going to be at the clinic. Just bring and she came to my house with an oxygen oxygen tank, could hardly walk. She had like these tumor sized on her neck, oh, it was just like oh, I was. I looked at her and I was. I felt like crying because of the way she looked. But you know, it. She hung in there. It was hard. She did a lot of stuff, and now she's healthy. I, I don't know if you saw the video, but we're go, tomorrow. We're gonna go. I'm gonna meet her in LA at the Chinese theater to see a, some kind of documentary, and and uh, she has a documentary coming out. She's also a director. Uh, a director and an actress in Hollywood, and she documented her own story. So she's going to be uh, presenting that documentary in the end of the month or somewhere. They're going to do the, you know, the premiere and stuff. So that's that's something that yeah, that makes me happy because I remember how she came to my house. Oh my god! And then um, now I and I'm just I just I just get emotional about it. Because of because of what she's been through, she's really uh, oh my goodness, she's my hero, strong woman, very strong woman. So well, um, you know, I have I have to say that I truly respect what you're doing, Doctor John, and I can't express enough how much I admire practitioners like yourself that are brave enough and intelligent enough to assert the status quo of chemo and radiation cancer treatment and open your cancer treatment centers all over the world. So please keep doing what you're doing to educate the world about their cancer treatment options. And thank you so much for being on the show. Wendy, it was an honor. Thank you very much for having me on your show. And uh, hopefully I will see you soon. And we could uh, help a lot of people. I am so happy that you have this program available for people all over the world. And I will tell a lot of people about it uh, overseas so they could keep listening to the great information that you have with other practitioners, other healers, other doctors, or 
other people that are doing positive things for humanity, not only in the field of health, but also in the field of just being good human beings. You know, there's a lot of people that are angry out there, a lot of people are in resentments, and, you know, we don't, we all are not perfect. We make mistakes, but we have to stay positive, and this is what's going to get the disease uh, in these cancer issues, you know, lower and lower as we progress as humans and become more uh, compassionate and and have more humility towards one another. So thank you very much. It was an honor. And keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much, Dr. John. And so everyone out there, listeners, thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast. That's it for today.